0: Okay, well, if you would go ahead and take out your Bibles with me this morning, I want to ask that you open them up to the book of Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, the book of Galatians in chapter 5. As you turn there, I want to uh, mention an article uh, that appeared back in August in uh, The Economist, which is a popular magazine out of London. And the title of this article was Facebook is bad for you, get a life. The subtitle reads this way. uh, Using the social network seems to make people more miserable. And here's how the article began. Those who have resisted the urge to join Facebook will surely feel vindicated when they read the latest research. A study just published by the Public Library of Science conducted by Ethan Cross of the University of Michigan and Philippe Verdine of Leuven University in Belgium has shown that the more someone uses Facebook, the less satisfied he is with life. The article goes on to say that past studies have shown that Facebook use is connected with social tension, isolation and depression. But before this shirt, this particular study, uh, we weren't sure if Facebook itself was making people more miserable, or if it just happened that more miserable people liked Facebook. What this study showed is that the more time people spent on Facebook, the more miserable they actually became. Now, why do you think that is? I bet if we took some time to think about it, we could come up with a number of reasons that spending a lot of time on Facebook might make people more miserable. But listen to what this study found was the number one cause of people being depressed after they used Facebook. I'm going to quote from the article again. It says, These researchers who presented their findings at a conference in Leipzig in February surveyed 584 users of Facebook, aged mostly in their 20s, and they found that the most common emotion aroused by using Facebook is envy. Endlessly comparing themselves with their peers, who have doctored their photographs, amplified their achievements, plagiarized clever sayings, leave Facebook's users more than a little green-eyed." Envy is the chief emotion they found aroused by Facebook, and they said that the result was that people were made more miserable. I wonder how many of us in here might be wrestling with what is known as the green-eyed monster. How often are you and I tempted to envy this morning we're continuing our series of sermons focusing on putting Romans 8 verse 13 into practice in our daily lives. Next Sunday we will return to Romans 8 to continue and moving to the next verse. But uh, let me remind you what Romans eight thirteen says. It says if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live and what have we seen we have seen that the stakes are high that we're talking about life or death which we understand to be heaven or hell if we are not putting sin to death in our lives we have no grounds to believe ourselves to be truly Christ's people Christians will be known by their fruit and here is a chief fruit of Christians they kill sin they hate sin, they want it out of their lives, and they are taking actual steps to defeat sin inside of them. And how are they doing this? Well, Paul says that it's by the Spirit. And we've seen that this means that we believe the promises of Jesus, and in the power that we have, through believing what the Bible says about us, we kill sin. Uh, we kill sin by the Spirit when we pray when we express our dependence upon Christ by going to him in prayer, pleading with him to help us in our fight against sin. And we kill sin by the Spirit when we use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So in this short form, faith, prayer, and the Word. This is how Christians kill sin by the Spirit. Faith, prayer, and the Word. Now we've looked at this in practical daily living. Uh, In relation to a certain number of other sins. Pride, avarice, lust, gluttony, sloth. And this Lord's Day we end with the final two. Envy and then tonight, anger. So we're going to follow our typical outline. We'll begin with envy defined. What is this sin of envy? So that we can know how through Romans 8.13 to defeat it boys and girls in the room do you know what the word envy means I bet you've experienced it have you ever watched a friend receive a special present and you wished that it was you receiving that present have you ever seen one of your friends being honored for something or they've won an award and you're a little bit unhappy because it's not you Receiving that award? Instead of being happy with your friends because of their gifts and their talents and their accomplishments, you, you get unhappy instead because you wish these things were your own? When something good happens to one of your friends, do you ever start to feel miserable rather than rejoicing with them? That's the sin of envy. To put it another way, it has been said that envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. Rather than seeing how good God has been to you, envy is being discontent because you think he's been better towards somebody else. Maybe someone has achieved something you haven't. Maybe they have received something you feel you deserve. Jonathan Edwards put it this way. Envy is a spirit of dissatisfaction or opposition to the prosperity or happiness of other people. Let me say that again. Envy is a spirit of dissatisfaction or opposition to the prosperity or happiness of other people. You see, the Bible calls us to rejoice when our brothers and sisters rejoice. But envy can't rejoice. It is self-centered, and it becomes angry that God has blessed someone else instead of me. You see, envy is rooted in pride. Envy is the crying out of wounded pride. Someone else receives what I think I deserve. Someone else gets the honor I think I am due. This is the opposite of humility. It is the opposite of dependence upon God. It is full-blooded pride. I think highly of myself, and I envy others when they're blessed, because I think that I am worthy of that blessing. Now, what is the difference between envy and jealousy? Very little. And throughout this message, I will use the words envy and jealousy interchangeably but there is this distinction and I want you to know it up front there is such a thing as a good kind of jealousy there is a kind of jealousy that is holy God is jealous over his glory God is jealous over his people they are his and in pure love he will not hand them over to anybody else We are to be jealous for our God to be treated with reverence and fear and humility. This is a kind of jealousy that is good. Mount Hermon, there is no kind of envy that is good. The Bible always speaks of of envy in terms of evil and wickedness. Envy is not a feeling you can have about something that is rightfully yours envy always longs for what god has given to someone else and even hates the other person because they have received it and this is always a sin i want us to read together one verse from galatians 5 look at verse 26 galatians 5 verse 26 it's a clear command let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another well that's envy defined let's look at envy described i want us to taste the vileness of this sin so that we will be motivated to put Romans 8:13 to practice towards it the bible goes out of its way to say that envy is a sin that in many ways is worse than many other sins sometimes christians Have this debate about whether or not all sins are equal are all sins the same And the answer of course is that in one sense all sins are the same Um, They are all the same and that each and every kind of sin will make us guilty before God Each and every sin makes us worthy of the condemnation of an eternal hell each and every sin is a sin and an offense against a God who is infinitely worthy. To break one commandment of God, no matter how small, is to break the whole law. And so there is a sense in which all sins are the same. But the Bible is equally clear that not all sins are the same in terms of their heinousness or their consequences. For example, the Bible does recognize the difference between a sin that was committed thoughtlessly and a sin that was committed presumptuously. If you commit a sin presumptuously, fully aware that what you are doing is wrong, and yet you do it anyway, that is seen in the Bible as being more vile in the sight of God than a sin committed thoughtlessly. Both are sins, but one has more poison to it. Envy is portrayed in the Scriptures as a particularly harmful and dangerous sin. Proverbs 27 4 says this Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Who can stand before jealousy? Says Matthew Henry Wrath, it is true, is cruel and does many a barbarous thing. And anger is outrageous, but a secret enmity at the person of another, an envy at his prosperity, a desire of revenge for some injury or affront. This is more mischievous. One may avoid a sudden heat as David escaped Saul's javelin. But when it grows, as Saul's did, to a settled envy, there is no standing before it. Envy will over will pursue envy will overtake He that grieves at the good of another Will be still contriving to do him hurt and will keep his anger forever Why is envy such a vile sin? Well, the bible gives us many reasons i've tried to summarize it down into four Four reasons the bible gives for why envy is such a terrible sin Number one, envy harms you physically. Uh, envy does much more harm to the envious person than to the person being envied. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 30, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A soul full of envy will not be at peace. Your heart will be stressed and frustrated Envy will shorten your lifespan. It will eat at your flesh. Secretly, you are wishing awful things upon another person, but you are the one being physically harmed. Envy is like a parasite inside of you. It will consume you slowly. It's like wood slowly rotting away. Envy will rotten you out and bring you to a miserable life And an early grave. Second. Envy inevitably leads. To other sins. Have you noticed that this has been true. Of every other sin we've talked about. That every sin. Seems to lead to other sins. This is the nature of sin itself. Sin is a downward spiraling staircase. With each step slanted downwards. Towards the next step. As soon as you take one step of sin, it becomes very easy, indeed natural, for you to be propelled on to the next kind of sin. Sin leads to sin, which leads to sin. This is its nature, and it's certainly the nature of envy. James 3.16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Now is that what you want for your life? For your family? Or for your church? Is this what you want to be about in the lives of others? A cause of disorder? One who is capable of every vile practice? James says that this is the result of jealousy. If we don't kill it. It was Satan's envy of God that led to his downfall and ultimately the fall of man all of the sin and the strife that the devil works in this world including that first temptation of Adam and Eve it sprung from the devil's heart of envy and do you see the results Joseph's brothers envied him and they attacked him and they kidnapped him and they sold him into slavery and they told their father he had been killed In the book of Esther, Haman worked to frame Mordecai. Why? Because Haman envied him. Jacob was jealous that Esau was the older brother. He envied the older brother's privileges. And so he worked to deceive his brother and to steal Esau's birthright. Rachel was stressed and frustrated and discontented. Why? because Leah was being blessed with children and she was not even Peter after Jesus had restored him because of his sin of denying Christ three times Peter was told that he would end up suffering for Christ's sake and what was Peter's response he pointed at John and said what about this man Rather than accepting God's will for his own life, Peter couldn't help but be dissatisfied if John was going to somehow be more richly blessed than him. You see, this is the nature of envy. It leads to discontent. It leads to anger and hatred towards others. It leads even to deception and conniving and manipulation in the hearts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We are told that it was envy that moved them to murder the Son of God. The trumped-up charges, the kangaroo courts, the refusal to back down before Pilate, stirring up the crowds to yell, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! The stripping and the beating and the mocking, the, the crucifixion of our Lord came about through men who were eaten up with envy. This is no small sin. If you don't kill envy the moment you detect it in your life, it will work to kill you. It will harden your heart. It will destroy your faith. It will prove you to be an unsaved person. Envy will make you a curse in the lives of others. and Envy will lead you to hell. Third... Envy is contrary to love. Envy is contrary to love. God is love. And we who are His people are to be marked by love. By this will people know that we are Christ's disciples if we have love for one another. But envy is an opponent of love. 1 Corinthians 13.4 Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not... What? Envy. One of the quickest ways to turn your heart against other people in this room or against other people in your family or against other people in your workplace or community group is to begin to envy them. People that you ought to be loving, you will find your heart hardened against them because you desire the blessings they have. Strife, division, bitterness, the loss of true fellowship These are the dreadful results of envy. Love does not envy. Love is able to rejoice with others when they rejoice. Love praises God for His blessings on others. Nathaniel Vincent wrote this in the 1600s. He said, How much of hell is there in the temper of an envious man? The happiness of another is his misery... The good of another is his affliction. He looks upon the virtue of another with an evil eye, and he is sorry at the praise of another, as if that praise was taken away from himself. Envy makes him a hater of his neighbor and makes the person his own tormentor. Finally, number four, envy is opposed to true faith and confidence in God envy is opposed to true faith and confidence in God true faith says God loves me God knows what is best for me God determines what blessings are mine and whatever my God ordains for me is right I deserve nothing of all that I have how can I act as if I deserve more what I deserve is hell every day that I'm not in hell is a moment of grace how could I ever complain moreover God tells me in the Bible that even though I'm completely unworthy he loves me with a never ending incomprehensible vast love God withholds nothing from me except that which is for my good to fit me for heaven Whatever good thing God might keep from me today, He keeps from me so that He can give me all in the future. True faith loves God's name more than my own name. True faith loves God's glory more than our own glory. True faith does not delight mainly in how I am honored or how I am praised, but in how God is honored and God is praised. Church, do you see how much envy is in the church of Christ today? I see it often in my discussions with other pastors. There are times when it seems like every pastor I know is dissatisfied. He looks at this other church or that other church, that other si- situation, and secretly wishes that he was there. The grass is always greener on the other side. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, look, some preach Christ out of envy. Preachers stand up and they preach the gospel, not mainly for the glory of God, not mainly for the good of souls, but for the desire to have some honor, some fame, some recognition, even the same income as another preacher down the street. In local churches, you often have very poor people. And very wealthy people coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. In the church in Corinth, there were actual slave owners and slaves worshiping together. Can you imagine the temptations that must have been felt as some of the poorer folks saw the luxuries of some of their brothers and sisters in Christ while they were struggling through life? And yet the Apostle Paul made clear to the Corinthians that jealousy among church members is a sign of spiritual immaturity. He said in 1 Corinthians 3, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way. Faith is the cure here. Envy envy is the enemy of faith in God. Rather than trusting God's wisdom, envy doubts it. It says, God, you should have given me that blessing. Rather than trusting God's goodness, envy doubts it. We become angry with God because we think He's not treating us rightly. Rightly. Rather than trusting God's love, we we doubt it. If God really loves me, why is so and so being blessed and I'm not? Why is so and so getting that kind of life and my life is this? God, this isn't fair. Church, do you see how wicked this all is? Do you see how distorted? Do you see how far fetched and unrealistic it is? Do we want God to treat us fairly? What would God treating us fairly look like? Do we not doubt that He is our Father who loves us and He knows what He's doing? What arrogance to think and feel this way before the holy, holy God who is all-wise, all-good, who has loved us and is loving us more than we can ever grasp. Has he not promised us eternal fellowship with him forever in heaven? What more could you possibly need? What more could you possibly ask for? Is God himself not enough for us? So that's envy described. Heading number three. How does Christ make all the difference? The same five points. Here they come. Number one. Christ set the example for us. Jesus was our example of being content in the will of God. And it was easy for Jesus to be content because he was born a very wealthy man. He grew up in a palace. He had servants who did all that he needed. He never knew what it was to be poor or hungry or homeless, right? No. Jesus knew what it was to live a difficult life. In fact, this was a temptation that Satan expressly brought to Jesus. Worship me and I will make you king over the world. But Christ looked at the promises of God and he knew the love of his father and he remained faithful. Though the son of man had no place to lay his head, he did not envy. Read the gospel. See the example of Christ before you. And then number two. Remember that Christ on the cross took the punishment that sinners deserve. All of our sins of envy were nailed to the cross of Christ. The hell that our envy deserves was born by Christ on the cross if we believe. Oh, Christian, don't be paralyzed by your sins of envy. They've been forgiven. Now turn from them, throw them off like a viper. Number three, Christ has promised us a day when we will be perfectly holy. This is the hope we have before us. We will not always battle with envy. We will not always battle with jealousy. This temptation will not plague us forever. There will be a day when we will be holy and fit for heaven. Set that hope before you as you fight this sin in your life. Number four, christ by the spirit is making us holy right now if you are a christian the holy spirit of god god himself is in you working to kill envy you are not the primary agent here it's not as if it's all up to you no god is working to kill envy Paul is calling us, and God through Paul is calling us to walk with the Spirit in the extermination of envy. We do not fight this sin alone. If so, we would be killed ourselves because envy in your heart, whether you know it or not, is like Goliath and you are like David. It would get the best of you if you did not have the Spirit of God fighting this in your life. But He is, and He's so much more powerful than your sin. And so join with the Spirit in fighting this sin. And then number five, Christ, by His Spirit, through His Word, causes us to know His love for us. Causes us to know His love for us. We don't fight this sin. We don't fight any sin out of a desperate attempt to make ourselves right with God. Just the opposite. We fight envy with the calm assurance that we are Christ and He is ours and that we are loved. We are loved with a love beyond our comprehension. And this is where we find our security. This is where we find our strength. This is where we find the power to defeat envy in our lives. So dear unbeliever in this room, if you're struggling with the sin of envy, what you need is not more willpower. What you need is Christ. It is Christ that makes all the difference. The best self-help books in this world will not strengthen you to conquer this sin. Without Christ, you have no chance of defeating this enemy. Without Christ, dear unbeliever, you stand guilty before God because of your envy. And you are enslaved to this sin. But when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, our guilt before God is taken away by His blood. When we come to believe on Christ, the power of envy in our lives is broken so that we really can fight it. We really can resist it. We really can defeat it. Dear Christians, see. Dear unbelievers, see Christ presented to you as a true Savior from your sins. It's not just something we say. He really does bring people out of their sins. Will you not trust Him? Will you not submit your life to Him? Will you not follow him? Well, finally, heading number four: How to walk with the Spirit in killing envy. All right, we have all these reasons to hate envy, but we have a wonderful Savior at our side. Romans eight thirteen teaches us to kill it by the Spirit. We know that this includes working through the Word. What does the Word teach us about how to join with the Spirit? in killing this sin. I'm going to give you just three points. Number one, do what you can to avoid situations that tempt you to envy. Do what you can to avoid situations that tempt you to envy. You're certainly not going to be able to avoid all of these temptations. You need to be with your family. You need to be with your church family. And yet temptations to envy will come in those circumstances. And you should not allow that to be a reason to forsake being with those you love. However, if looking through catalogs, browsing Facebook, walking idly through the mall, spending hours on Pinterest or other sites tempts you to envy, note that and take steps to save yourself from that temptation. If your nearest and dearest friends in this world are people who tend to be earthly-minded and they always have to have the latest things or they're always flaunting their achievements in front of you, if they're always boasting in their blessings, well, maybe those people shouldn't be your nearest and your dearest friends. Look for godly friends, heavenly-minded people to be the nearest and the dearest of your life Look for people who know how to rejoice with others and know how to weep with others. Second, this is huge. Remember that we will give an account to God for every blessing He has ever given us. We will give an account to God for every blessing He has ever given us. I think this is a mighty help in the battle against envy. Remember that those who have been given more than you will have to one day stand before God and give an account for everything they've been given. Indeed, I would suggest that on that day when you stand to give an account before God, you will be thankful He didn't give you more than He did to be responsible for. To have more is to be responsible for more before God. Whether it's money or possessions, whether it's positions of authority Whether it's more children, more friendships, more opportunities. More of these things are wonderful blessings. But they come with the requirement that we be faithful, good stewards. And when we look at it from this perspective, who wouldn't say that each of us has been given plenty to be responsible for? Who here feels that that they need more to be responsible for? Do any of us think that we've done so well with all that God has given to us, that we deserve more. If so, I would suggest we are probably deceived. If we'll remember this truth, I think it is very helpful in the battle against envy. And then number three, cultivate happy faith in Jesus. Because here really is the cure for all jealousy and envy. Look afresh to Christ. And remind yourself of who he is. And what he has promised to those who trust him. Look to Christ and find contentment. Paul says in Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Don't miss that phrase. Joy and peace in believing. Paul is praying that God will give the Roman Christians an abundance of joy and an abundance of peace, contentment. And how is it going to be found? In believing. It is in faith, in looking to Christ, in casting our cares upon him that we find true peace. Getting what so-and-so has or wishing we had that position over there, that will not bring us peace. Having $10 million will not bring you true contentment. Having that person's position, that person's fame, that person's talents, that will not bring you true contentment. Stop focusing on the blessings of others. If it were good and right for you to have those blessings, you'd have them. God would have given them to you. He is loving you by keeping them from you. There is a reason He hasn't given them to you. He's watching out for your soul. Don't be angry or spiteful towards those who have received these blessings. Rejoice with them. They are blessings. Overcome envy by intentionally rejoicing with others when they have been blessed. Even praising God in prayer even when it's hard praising God in prayer for the blessings that others around you have received. But we can only do this if we are secure in Christ's love for us. We can only do this if we are confident that our Savior knows what He's doing and He's a good shepherd and He's taking good care of me and He's taking good care of you. If you have that calm assurance, you can rejoice with others when they are blessed. Mount Hermon, let us put aside our envy Let us repent of refusing to submit to God's will for us. Let us look to Christ and let us find our peace in him because he is a good shepherd. We should trust him. So may God help us. And let's pray.